grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. morning. It's already been a great morning with that amazing music. Thank you all. Friends, let us be called together in worship, not only through the beauty of music, but through the beauty of timeless words as we read responsively from the 37th Psalm. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Friends, let us worship God. Good morning. Please join me in our unison prayer of confession. God of the future, you are coming in power to bring all nations under your rule. We confess that we have not expected your kingdom, for we live casual lives, ignoring your promised judgment. We accept lies as truth, exploit neighbors, abuse the earth, and refuse your justice and peace. In your mercy, forgive us. Grant us wisdom to welcome your way and to seek things that will endure when Christ comes to judge the world. Amen. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or death can separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus our Lord, we are forgiven.
May the peace of Christ be with you. As we greet one another, children fifth grade and younger may meet their Sunday school teachers uh, at the back, back of the sanctuary. Uh, youth sixth grade and older are gathering in the youth room. Let us now greet each other with a sign of peace. Friends, as you share your personal news with each other in your greetings this morning, we also will share a bit of news about what's happening in the life of the congregation. Eight days from now, we'll have our vacation Bible school program going full steam for five days at the church. We could still use some more volunteers to help out with that. Right now, we are completely full in terms of registrations for the kids. With a few more volunteers, we can accept a few more children. So if you'd like to be involved with that in some way, shape, or form, either bringing kids or also participating as a volunteer, contact our children's ministry folks this week. We have a men's Bible study group that for the last 800 years has been meeting on Thursday mornings, and the group is moving to Wednesday mornings, and so once a month this summer, the group will start meeting on Wednesday mornings at the Loma Santa Fe Country Club. That'll happen for the month of June this coming Wednesday. If you'd like to be part of that group, I'm sorry, but you do have to be a guy. Um, we have women's groups too, by the way. If you'd like to be part of that group, give me a call this week and we'd love to have you join with us. Uh, today is traditionally what we call our Choir Favorites Sunday or our Music Appreciation Sunday. And I know that the choir is always singing stuff that they love and we are always appreciating the music. But especially on this day as we kind of wind down a program year of the formal choir gatherings. They rehearse every Thursday night except for July and August. They don't rehearse at all. They just come and sing Magnificently. At any rate, today they're going to be singing some of their favorite stuff. They've actually voted on it. And you, you liked the anthem you just did. Good, excellent, excellent. They'll like the ones that they do. But let's take just a moment to give them a special word of appreciation to all of our musicians, whether they're playing the fiddle or singing songs or playing the keyboards like Susie. Thank you guys for a wonderful year. We're also happy day today to uh, receive an old friend now. Ray Heinen is with Sat7 Ministries, and Ray is here to give us an update about what's going on in that magnificent gospel ministry. Ray, good to have you with us. Share Thank you for having me. Good morning. It's always great to be with you guys here, and uh, Sat7 is a Christian satellite television in the Middle East and North Africa, and now in digital and social media, serving millions of people who never heard the gospel before with that message. So we, we, we broadcast in Arabic language for 350 million uh, people and for uh, uh, Iran 
and a Farsi channel, about a million, hundred million people, a million, oh, 10, hundred million people, and for uh, another hundred million people in Turkey, so that makes all of them, over 500 million people can see the message of Christ uncensored and free to air through digital media and the satellite. Now, the, the, the numbers been keep growing and growing and growing. Let me just tell you that the last year in particular, we got a 31% increase of the viewership and the counseling numbers and people who are seeking more to learn about Christ, 31%. Let me tell you that 97% of the SAT7 viewers are non-Christians. So any number you see on the annual report, the hard copy, or I have the so soft copy on my QR code, you can visit us uh, on the table. I can tell you more about that, and there are a couple of more important uh, topics that are in projects. It's a church for Afghanistan and church for kids, for Iranian kids as well. So come and visit the table, and thank you for your partnership through the years. It's uh, been a great journey, and we pray for more to come. God bless you all. Ray invited you to speak more with him following the service. Let me encourage you to do that. It is absolutely amazing how many people are hearing the gospel message of Jesus Christ, many of whom have never heard it before, but hearing through the ministry of SAT7 that we are privileged to be part of. So be sure to take some time with Ray. And let us have a word of prayer for you, my friend. God, we thank you for bringing Ray to us to share the good news about how the good news is being shared in so many parts of the world that need to hear about your love just like we do. We pray that you would bless Ray and bless all the others in this ministry whom he represents. Bless them so they may be faithful, courageous, and strong. And then bless all that they do so that people will hear about and know the Savior and learn to live in his love as we are learning here at the Village Church. We pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my friend. You. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. And now, friends, you have yet another opportunity to participate in the redemption and renewal of the world through who you are, through what you do, through the gifts of your time, your talent, and your financial treasures. I would invite you during this next musical piece uh, to, re to uh, present your tithes and offerings to the Lord. God bless. So 
with me as uh, we pray the prayer of the people and then join with me uh, for the Lord's Prayer. Almighty God, you have promised to hear when we pray in the name of your Son. Therefore, in confidence and trust, we pray for the church. O oh God, enliven the church for its mission that we may be salt of the earth and light to the world. Breathe fresh life into your people. Give us power to reveal Christ in word and action. We pray for the world. Creator of all, lead us and every people into ways of justice and peace, that we may respect one another in freedom and truth. Awaken in us a sense of wonder for the earth and all that is in it. 
Teach us to care creatively for its resources. We pray for the community. God of truth, inspire with your wisdom those who de whose decisions affect the lives of others, that all may act with integrity and courage. Give grace to all those whose lives are linked with ours. May we serve Christ in one another and love as he loves us. We pray for those in need. God of hope, comfort and restore all who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. May they know the power of your healing love. Make us willing agents of your compassion. Strengthen us as we share in making people whole. We remember those who have died and those who mourn. We remember with thanksgiving those who have died in the faith of Christ and those whose faith is known only to you. Loving God, into your hands we commend them. Give comfort to those who mourn. Fill the emptiness of their loss with your never-ending peace. We praise you for all of your saints who have entered your eternal glory. May their example inspire and encourage us. And we pray for ourselves and our ministries. Lord, you have called us to serve you. Grant that we may minister in your name, with your love in our hearts, with your truth in our minds, your strength in our wills, until at the end of our journey, we know the joy of our homecoming and the welcome of your embrace. Hear us now, Lord, as we pray together the prayer that you gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated.
A reading from the prophet Isaiah. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And now a reading from the book of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, it is great to be back home here in Southern California. Helen and I had the privilege of joining with our tour choir as we went to and fro across the face of Ireland over the last couple of weeks. Last Sunday we were leading and participating in worship in Dublin, the Sunday before that in Belfast. And I need to tell you a couple things about the trip and also back home. Number one, the weather is far better in Ireland than it is in Southern California. So how many are in favor of going back? 
Yeah, it's actually warm there. You can see the sun there. Other thing I need to mention is that much of the repertoire the choir is doing this morning is from the tour uh, in, in Ireland, although there was a slight difference. In Ireland, we sang everything with an Irish accent. It was absolutely beautiful. Juan, you know, you're my, yeah, you're the fact checker, aren't you? There we go. There we go. Such is life. At any rate, it's wonderful to be back. Thank you for all of those of you who were praying for us and uh, thinking about us. It is a, a great way for us to share the amazing music that we have here uh, with folks all around the rest of the world. And in fact, that happened. And it's also great to come home and enjoy the magnificent community of faith that we have here as part of the Village Church. Um, our colleague, uh, Jan Cook, is away for a little bit of vacation today, and so thanks to Peggy Stackle for stepping in. And later on this summer, I'll be gone a little bit more, but Jan Cook will be back. And the good news is, is that every Sunday morning, the Lord willing, there will be worship of the Lord God here at the Village Church, and you can be here for part of that. I'd like to start to focus our thinking on the two passages that Bob read just a few moments ago. Uh, by taking a little poll, okay? It, it will be brief, it will be painless, but, but let's do this. You can look around at everybody's answers. We won't worry too much about the numbers. Here's my poll. Number one, how many of you would say that you are essentially a pessimist? Okay, one, two, two honest people in the whole church, great. <clears throat> <laughs> How many of you would say that you are essentially an optimist? Okay, that, that makes more sense. You show up at church every Sunday, you must be an optimist. That's all there is to it. How many of you would say that you're a realist? Okay, okay, that's great. How many of you would like to pick several of the above? You're more than, than one thing. Okay, yeah, that, that's legitimate. That works out. That works out. Well, I'd like us to think this morning about maybe moving a little bit beyond those simple ways of categorizing ourselves or categorizing other people and thinking about how it is that people who follow Jesus think about the world, how we approach the world, not just maybe with pessimism or optimism or realism or some combination, but with something beyond that. Hold that thought in your mind. As I also mentioned the fact that today we are coming to the end of a series of messages that Jan and I have both preached about social righteousness, or we might also say social justice. Or we might also say social unrighteousness and social injustice. We've been thinking about that broad set of topics, not just in terms of society, but also in terms of ourselves. We are not always righteous. We are not always just. Sometimes we are. We've been thinking about all of that. But today, in a sense, we're coming to the end of this series though truth be told, we're always talking about these things. You can't talk about Jesus without talking about righteousness, without talking about justice. Well, let's go back, though, to our poll, right? The pessimist. Let's think a bit more about pessimists and optimists and, and realists. Pessimists 
are those people who will say to themselves pretty much every day, maybe every hour, something like this. They'll say, everything is going to hell in a handbasket. How many of you have ever thought that to yourselves? Okay, if you cannot raise your hand, then I'd like to drink what you're drinking every morning when you wake up. Okay? The optimist, right? What does an optimist say? Everything is getting better and better and will end up just fine. Does anybody say that to yourselves every once in a while? Yeah. Maybe not as much as the going to hell in a handbasket. There might be a sermon to preach there. The realist, of course, the realist among us wants to say, well, sometimes things are terrible and sometimes things are wonderful and most times things are just somewhere in between. And, and that's okay. That's okay. What, though, is a Christian to say about the way everything is and the place to which everything is going? Well, for an answer to that, I'll take us to where we always go. We always go to the scriptures. We always go to the theology of the church. We always go especially to the example and the teaching of Jesus. And today, what I've wanted us to do is focus in the Scriptures on two passages that are usually read and usually preached in very different circumstances than a normal Sunday morning in June. The passage that we just heard from Isaiah is often preached and read during Advent as we're looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. The passage we just heard from Revelation is very often used in funerals and memorial services. And that's all well and good for both of those passages, but there's a very fundamental message here that we need to take into our hearts that is way beyond just Christmas time and grieving time. So let's look at both of them side by side for a moment. The passage from Isaiah, you will remember that Isaiah, the prophet, was alive and prophesying, preaching to the nation of Israel in the 8th century before Jesus. During Isaiah's lifetime, the nation of Israel was being attacked relentlessly, mercilessly by a superpower. Where have we heard that story before? Israel was being attacked by the Assyrian Empire, one of the superpowers of the day. And eventually, the northern part of Israel, the, the mass of Israel itself, most of the territory, would be taken over by the Assyrians. When Isaiah prophesied, everything, in a sense, was going to hell in a handbasket. Fast forward to Revelation, 800 years later, 40 or 50, maybe 60 years after Jesus was gone, and the Christian church had begun to take hold in various places within the Roman Empire, and people were beginning to pay attention to the fact that some of the Jews were acting differently and preaching that Jesus 
had come and the Messiah was there. And not only were they preaching a story about God's love and forgiveness and hope and renewal, they were starting to live differently because of that. And so as they attracted the attention of the society around them, society began to push back. The revelation, according to John, was written during the time of the Roman emperor Domitian who relentlessly, mercilessly attacked the Christian church because they wouldn't follow the rules of the empire. Christians were being hauled in front of the Roman magistrate in whatever city they happened to live. They were being forced to proclaim their allegiance to the God, the emperor. And if they didn't do that, At the very least, they would be ostracized from society. They would be removed from the various trade guilds, which gave them an opportunity to conduct business and thereby support their families. Sometimes they would be physically tortured. Sometimes they would be, as you've often heard about, thrown to the lions and executed. Both Isaiah and John heard a message from God during absolutely terrible, horrible times. But what did they say? What did they say? Well, they had a lot to say about how terrible everything was, but they had more to say than just that. In the passage from Isaiah, we hear that God says to the people through the voice of Isaiah, I am going to send someone who will be righteous and just, someone who will lead my people to become the same. We read those passages during Christmas time because we know we're celebrating the birth of Christ, but this is 800 years before that. Isaiah's message is a message of hope in the midst of hopelessness, a message of light and peace and goodness in the times when the opposite were happening to the people. Isaiah talks about who this amazing leader, this gift of God will be, and then he starts talking about animals. (laughs) Lions and tigers and bears, oh no. (laughs) Lambs and sheep and little children. Isaiah gives us a picture, a word picture. Picture that picture as I read those words again. Or better yet, think about the picture that was in my Friday email message that all of you carefully studied. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. What a weird picture that is. Lions don't eat straw. We don't let our babies play 
over poisonous, deadly snakes. But that's what Isaiah saw. That image is pictured in the paintings of a Quaker preacher who painted on the side. It's an image called the Peaceable Kingdom. Hundreds, probably thousands of artists have tried to picture that amazing, impossible scene, a picture that Isaiah gave to the people as a way of helping them understand that even when everything was falling apart, that God was still about the business of putting everything back together even better than we might imagine. Or think about the picture from Revelation, another picture, another powerful image. As Christians are being hauled off to be executed, to be tortured. John, speaking the words given to him by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, as he says in the book, John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Can you imagine that? We were visiting just a few days ago with someone who had just come from another city here in California, and they were speaking of just how bad off things are in the heart of the city. Rampant crime, homeless people roaming everywhere. They have nowhere to go. Garbage in the streets. That's not the kind of city we're talking about. We're talking about a new city, a redeemed city, a city where everything is perfect. There are no more potholes in the streets in that city. (laughs) The traffic lights work all the time. It's even better than that. So both John and Isaiah give us a vision, a picture of everything put back the way that God meant for it to be in the first place. But come on, let's be serious. They could not have been serious, could they have? Was Isaiah right? Did he hear God correctly? Was John right? Did he hear Jesus correctly? Many of us have resigned ourselves to the fact that this world is never going to get any better. It's always going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad place. And all we can do as Christians is just gut it out until we die and go to heaven, and that's where everything will be okay. The only problem with that attitude, with that belief, with that compromise with the world is that that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus never said, just put up with things and go along with the evil that's in this world and eventually you'll die and come be with me and everything will be okay. That's not what Jesus said. What did they say? What did Isaiah see? What did John see? What did they hear from God? Yes, they did hear. And yes, they did say that when we die, God will take us to be with him in absolute perfection and glory. But until then... 
things can get better here. And it starts with you and me. The reason people paid attention to Jesus was because there was a little bit of heaven going on in Jesus and in his followers back then, in their own lives, in the here and now. And things began to get better for some. Justice, righteousness, love, courage, peace, all of those things became part and parcel of the lives of people who truly believed and trusted and then followed the way that Jesus taught. The fact is that you and I don't really like to hear good news. It is good news that things get better sometimes. It is good news, but we don't like to hear good news. Did you know that? The people who produce the news know that. They produce the news in such a way that they can sell the news. They're in the business of making money. So are all of us. And the way you make money if you're going to tell news is to tell mostly bad news. Let's do a little test here. Let's say that Sunday morning you walk up and you say, Jack, how are you? And I say, I'm just fine. Everything's great. It couldn't be better. Your response to me will be, that's wonderful. Where can I get a bulletin? Right? It's not news. It's not news if everything's fine with me, right? If you walk up to me, though, and say, Jack, how is everything? And I'll say, well, yesterday my dog died, and this morning my left arm fell off, and everything is absolutely terribly horrible. You'll say, oh, tell me more. Tell me more. I challenge you to read a newspaper or listen to a newscast or consume the news in whatever way that you do, on your telephone, however. And look at all the news that's there. It's news that's given to us because that's what we want to hear. We gravitate towards the bad news. We want to hear about the people who died, the people who were killed, the people who are corrupt, the people who have stolen. We want to hear all the bad news. But the fact is that most of the time, most of the news of the world is not bad news. It's good news. Yes, I know. Believe me. I consume news almost as much as I consume ice cream. I know what the news is, but here's the news. Yesterday, a certain number of people were killed. Yesterday, a certain number of people were indicted for crimes. Yesterday, all kinds of bad stuff happened. But also yesterday, most of the world in most places didn't die. They weren't killed. They had enough to eat. They got along with each other. That's the news of the world. The fact is, and I'm quoting Statistics, I won't give you actual statistics, but there's a wonderful book that came out about five years ago. Sociologist who studies all those facts and figures that are produced by governments everywhere. And the fact is that in the world today, there is less abject poverty. There is less death because of warfare. There is better health care. There is better education. There are higher life expectancies in the world than there used to be. Now, you don't want to hear that news because that's good news. (laughs) 
It is good news that today in the Middle East, millions of people are hearing the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thousands are responding to that and accepting that. Here's the good news, friends. Think about your lifetimes or go back to the lifetimes of your parents or your grandparents. In many parts of the world, women and children are being treated better than they used to be. In many parts of the world, people of different races are actually getting along with each other rather than fighting. In many parts of the world, much is getting better and better. And yes, I know. I know all the places. I've been to a lot of those places where things are not working very well. But still, things are getting better. And yes, there's much more to do. There is much unrighteousness, much injustice. Sometimes we go backwards before we go forward. But nevertheless, the majority of people the majority of the time are working, hoping, dreaming, and scheming to make things better. Let me take you back to that painting from Edward Hicks. Edward Hicks was born just after the revolution of the colonies against the mother country. And in his picture, in about 62 of his paintings actually, he shows us that scene from Isaiah of all the animals and everybody getting along well, but in some of them he shows something else. Did some of you actually read the email and study the picture that I sent? You did. Thank you. What else did you see in that? In the upper left-hand corner of this painting with the lions and tigers and bears, there is a scene that shows a guy named William Penn. Do you remember him? He had a state named after him. It's a trick question. Which state did William Penn have named after him? Yes, Massachusetts. You got it right. No, no, no. Pennsylvania, right? William Penn was the great Quaker settler and leader after whom Pennsylvania is named. Part of what most of us don't remember about William Penn anymore is that he worked really, really hard to create good relationships with the native Americans who were here before he got here. Now, I have lots of relatives and folks in my family that probably knew William Penn they come from England and Scotland and Ireland. I have many relatives who came from Spain. I got a lot of folks who were relatives of all those that came and found the Native Americans, but I have some who were Native Americans. They got here thousands of years ago. And it does my heart good to see in this little picture of Isaiah's vision of all the animals getting along, not just the animals getting along, but the people getting along. And yes, I know. I know that it always didn't always work out very well. There were terrible things that happened. But I also know that there were people of faith, people like the Quaker, William Penn, who worked hard to make sure that people got along. 
And so that's the picture, friends, when we want to talk about righteousness or unrighteousness in ourselves or in the whole world, when we want to talk about justice or injustice in ourselves or the whole world. Yes, we need to be honest about what is not right, but we also need to be honest about what is working, about how it's better, and then about how it can get even better than that. I don't know if a Christian is supposed to be fundamentally pessimist, optimist, realist. I just know that a Christian needs to be a Christian. And a Christian is someone who believes in Jesus, the Jesus who was so optimistic about the pessimistic situation of the world (laughs) that he came to die for it so that it could get better. Who are we to say that God is wrong when God says, I will send someone to teach you the righteous and justice way to live, and you will live it, you will learn it? Who are we to say that God is wrong when God says, I am making the earth all over again? I'm not going to tell God that he's wrong. We are not going to live in such a way that we give up on this world and let it go to you-know-where in a (laughs) handbasket. We are going to live in such a way that we work with God in making it a place that maybe one day will be a place none of us want to die and leave, but a place where we want to stay, the place where God is. That is the vision of Isaiah of John, that is our vision of that time that will come when they will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. That place where the home of God is among mortals, where there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain because of the injustice and unrighteousness of the world. The one who is seated on the throne, Jesus, the Christ of God, that one says, see, I am making all things new. Let's help him out. Amen. Please join me as we affirm our faith with these words from the letter of the Colossians. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God 
was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. important to me that we do that song both ways because we had a fight about it a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> fight might be too big a word. Susie, maybe we didn't give you that message, but that song was kind of one of the anthems of my generation growing up. 
long before some of you kids were ever born. It's okay. Let there be peace on earth. And we sang it the way it was originally written, right? With God as our Father. Brothers all are we. Now, we realize that in the 800 years since I was a kid, some things have changed a little bit. And sometimes now we use language maybe that is a little bit more welcoming to everyone. And so my children, my son, and my three daughters now get to sing it a new way. We are children of God, all of us siblings. And actually, I like the word sibling better than just children because we're all related to each other, aren't we? And so after the fight was over and I won, which I... (laughs) We agreed, didn't we, Juan, to do it both ways. You see, things can get better, can't they? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Let God's people say so that God in heaven can hear it. Amen. Amen.